an uptick on campus crime, Arts in the Dark Halloween, and a Moroccan artist creates a mural here in Chicago. Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause, and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines. Now over to the annual fire and safety report with staff reporter Mari Devereaux. Now Mari, I, I tried to think of a fun way to introduce this topic, but this is kind of a big, leafy, serious report. Am, am I right here? You are correct. It's yeah. Every year it gets a lot of controversy because of underreporting and factors like that. So, yeah, so the, it's the annual fire and safety report. Now, does it touch on fires and safety? Like what exactly does it look at? Does it track information? What do we have here? Yeah, it tracks information for the college for fires, uh, any crimes that happen on campus, not just to students or faculty, but anyone on the campus's grounds or right adjacent or adjacent to the campus grounds. And yeah. So, what were the biggest things you found when analyzing this report? I found mainly there wasn't anything too significant, uh, as you'll see in the report. It lines up pretty well with other campuses like Roosevelt and DePaul and even Loyola, um, just other general college campuses in the area. Um, it did have a little bit, it did have a higher counts of rape and robbery, only slightly, um, but it was pretty in line with rates of burglary and other crimes. Uh, when we say higher accounts of like rape and burglary, which are some pretty serious crimes, are we talking about compared to other colleges it's higher compared to last year's numbers it's higher how does that work both so it's actually a little bit higher in rape robbery and burglary i believe um for columbia's for 2017 to 2018 um and it's higher slightly um than depaul and roosevelt's numbers now, it gets kind of tricky though doesn't it because when we say it's a little higher there's no more than about 10 reported cases of each on campus am i correct yes that's correct okay so uh, at least with those numbers do you happen to have them on hand how many more were there this year as compared to last year from last year to this year um so it went from five to seven counts of rape mm -hmm. two to five counts of robbery and three to six cases of burglaries okay and then not to get too deep into the numbers soup but what does it look like compared to other campuses so for counts of rape uh roosevelt i believe had one only last in 2018 mm -hmm. Uh, DePaul had about three, and it looks like Columbia had seven. Okay, so then you spoke with Ron Sedini, kind of the vice president or vice provost, I forget his exact title, of security on campus who, you know, runs the watch commanders and all that. Uh, did he have anything to say about these numbers? Are these alarming numbers? Are these usual? Is it just kind of what the report is? Yeah, so they're not too alarming. If you see trends that would be bigger than this, then yes, that would be a concern. But he didn't really have any concern for this year's numbers because, frankly, we don't know if these happened to Columbia students or just people that were on kind of Columbia's property or near the area. Um, so it's not really it's not really that definitive, and it's kind of hard to say whether these numbers are really that much higher because we don't really have a basis for what kind of a normal is for our mm -hmm. college. So Okay, well, it doesn't look like it went up too many, so there's not too many reasons to be alarmed. But in the very beginning, you mentioned something about underreporting. 
and we think of crimes like that, generally they are not reported at the levels at which they happen. Uh, can you dive a little deeper into that? Did any source you talked to speak on underreporting? Yeah, so most people I talk to at the college, um, they, d first of all, don't know really how to report through the college. Um, they know that there's numbers out there. It's kind of vague as to what processes they should go through for and different crimes. These are students, right? You right. don't know how to, okay. Mm -hmm. Yep, these are students. Um, and so they don't really, they're really unsure of the process. And there's also the factor that, there's also the factor that not a lot of people decide to report, especially for crimes like sexual assault and things that might be a little bit more personal. Um, and so that happens nationwide, that happens at our campus, and a lot of students said they would feel uncomfortable maybe reporting, and that might be due to how the reporting process is at the college, or it might be due to their own personal factors or things that are happening in their life. So it's kind of really subjective, and it depends on uh, who decides to come forward. And yes, there are a lot of ways to report these complaints. The Title IX office is always a good mm -hmm. place to go. Um, there are some teachers on campus, or there, I guess there's some people on campus, let me frame that a little differently, where you can go with some very serious stuff and they are not mandatory reporters, meaning you could talk with them and they don't have to report it, but teachers and advisors, they are mandatory reporters. So for any student wondering how to report, there's a lot of information um, on the college's website. But let's dive just a little bit deeper into student reactions. How many students did you speak with for this story? I believe I, I spoke to definitely around, I think it was around 10 to 15 students. Okay. What was just a general consensus? We can get into specific answers later. Are mm -hmm. they worried about the report? Had they seen it? Are they concerned about their safety on campus? Most students have not read the report, at least that I've spoken to. It is it is a pretty lengthy report. It's about 90 pages long. Um, most students, feel, they feel pretty safe on campus. Um, at night, it might be a little bit different or if they're walking home alone, but generally they said they feel okay on campus due to security and the atmosphere of the campus, but they are there. there is a kind of a level of concern. Okay, then let's look at one or two specific quotes or anything. Was there any student reaction that really jumped out at you? Yeah, uh, Caitlin Rogers, who is a sophomore photography major at Columbia, she was actually pickpocketed on campus mm -hmm. um, last year, and she didn't report because she didn't know how to, and she didn't know if she should, um, and so that was that was that kind of stood out a little bit. And she said that she felt safe on campus, but she is also freaked out a little bit by the crime advisories, which was a common theme um, among students that just kind of knowing that crime happens in the area, knowing how frequently it happens, tends to kind of freak students out a little bit just because they know that it could happen to them or they could be that person. And then when we're looking at the report, when you said there were X amount of burglaries this year, that does that count people off campus or does it have to be on campus grounds? See, so that's the thing too. It So even if you, someone from our college was pickpocketed or they had a burglary that happened off campus that wouldn't be counted. So we it isn't kind of a true measure of how many how what types of crimes happen to like Columbia students who might live off campus or might live in a different neighborhood because it only it only counts crimes that happen on or adjacent to campus property. Mm -hmm. and what, what's the definition of adjacent to though? Because I know some federal regulations. It could be literally across the street, maybe too far away. Yeah. So it has to be. I think it's out, it's outlined in the report. It has to be on the sidewalks or roads, basically right outside campus mm -hmm. buildings. Yeah, and I was kind of looking over this report, and I can think I, I think I can happily say that nothing really jumped out at me. There was no major uptick in any area. Is that a correct assessment? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so with that said, it's a little uneventful, which is definitely a good thing. Uh, is there anything else we should know about your story then? Um. 
yeah, if you want, if you want to go to the website and click on the report, you can find more reporting there. It's a little bit complicated to explain, but there's mm-hmm. there's more in the story. You can also pick up a newspaper on the newsstands around you. It's the front page. It's also the third page and the fourth page. And this is a pretty big story, and luckily nothing went uh, too awry in the report. But Mari, thanks for coming in. No problem. Thanks. story with Camila Forte, photojournalist for The Chronicle. Hey, Camila, thanks for coming in. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I just saw your story, Arts in the Dark Makes Halloween an Artist Holiday. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, essentially, Arts in the Dark, which is this parade put on by Luma 8, um, has been going on for five years, and they've had a few forms that they've taken in the past, but over the course of the last few years that they've been a thing, they've really come to focus on making their parade an artist's thing and featuring different types of art, like dancers and performers of any type, like circus performers and organizations that have like cultural aspects to them in order to highlight the artistic side of what they do. So what did you see? I mean, I saw everything from, like, fire breathers um, to traditional dance troops um, to even the Chicago Historic Association had a float, um, which they made artistic by making, like, different shapes out of balloons and, like, making this big Chicago sign. It was really colorful and wonderful. Yeah, how did you find out about this? Um, I found out through uh, one of our other reporters, Catherine Savage, who pitched the idea and then it got reworked into a visual thing because it is such a visual event. Um, So I basically reached out to the CEO and I was like, hey, would you be okay with me coming and covering this event? And she said, yes. And we talked a little bit about what they did. And that was essentially it. So what did you enjoy the most about the event? I really enjoyed being there, honestly. Uh, I've never covered anything like it before. Most parades are usually during the day. So that was kind of a challenge in the beginning with lighting, but it's very bright and there's a lot of like lights all around from the city and they blend in with some of the floats which are also lit up. So it was, it was just really like striking and it was a great visual spectacle. Tell me about some of the shots that you captured. I mean, my favorite one that I got was um, one of this fire breather from, I think it's like Captain Nemo's um, fire troop or something like that. And um, he's just breathing fire out of his mouth. And it's my favorite for a couple of reasons. First of all, it just looks really cool. Mm -hmm. But also, I didn't know how people did fire breathing because I'd never been close enough to something to actually see it. How is it done? Um, I'm pretty sure from what I observed they put gasoline in their mouth oh. and then they like spit it at whatever flame they have near them and it, it's basically like those videos that you see of people with the aerosol cans but like in real life and with a person um so that was interesting to see for sure that's so weird i always thought it was water <laughs> yeah me too me too <laughs> gasoline in your mouth that is so not safe Come yeah on. that sounds terrible <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other things that you've seen you know tell us a little bit more about i it. mean i saw um there were tons of dance troops. Um, the Renegades dance team um, actually collaborated with another college, which was interesting. I'd never seen them do anything like that before. 
um, and I'd never seen them perform, and they're a Columbia club, so it was great to like be able to see that out in the city, especially because this college places such an emphasis on like getting out there and becoming really part of like the city culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great to see that in action. So Columbia was there, and you said another college was there. Yeah. Do you know what other college was there? It was Purdue, I'm pretty sure, Purdue University. Oh, interesting. So they put on a performance? Yeah, they danced down the street. They did like a routine oh. every time they stopped. It was great. So were they? was it like a Halloween type of dance, or was it like... I think it was... I'm pretty sure it was just like a, a routine, but they were dressed up in like costumes oh. and they had masks and stuff. So, so what kind of costumes did you see there? I saw so many costumes. Um, everything, because especially because the theme this year was um, a year of Chicago theater. So many like theater companies were also there. Uh, I got to see the um, Broadway in Chicago cast like walking down in different like Broadway inspired outfits there was like the Lion King and Hamilton and things like that um there was also members of something called uh the Banana Bike Brigade um and they focus on making these like really um out there like bikes um that have pieces that make them look like animals so they were dressed up in like really sequiny outfits and their bikes were like cats and dogs and bananas so that was interesting. interesting yeah that's very interesting. So is this an annual event? Yeah, this is an annual thing. So we'll expect to see it next year. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you'll be covering it again <laughs> next year. Maybe. Well, is this something you'd like to cover again? Yeah, it was really fun. I don't see why not. Is this something that you'd recommend people attend? I think so, yes. Um, it's a really great way to see everything that's out there in Chicago. Mm. Well, thank you, Camila, for coming in. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You can check out this story and the amazing photos that Camila took on our website, ColumbiaChronicle.com. That's all for this story, but stay tuned for more. From the studios of 33 IW Wells over to 1306 South Michigan Avenue, I have Paige Barnes in studio to talk about a mural that's going up on the side of the Dance Center building. What are the specifics of this here? Yeah, so this mural um, all started with a collaboration between Chicago Sister Cities International, the Wabash Arts Quarter, which is um, owned by Columbia, and Um, Casa events and animation and so all of them collaborated together to this um, mural exchange between somebody from Chicago um, named Sam Kirk going over to Casablanca and then someone from Casablanca coming here to Chicago. So when we say a mural exchange it's not like they send murals they send the people to make the murals so we sent uh, someone to Casablanca they're there right now or how do you know the specifics of that? Yeah, so the project started in 2017, and the um, Sister Cities International sent over Sam Kirk, Mm -hmm. who is a Chicago-based artist, to Casablanca, Morocco in 2018, and then finally this year, and it just finished and was unveiled October 10th, um, an artist who goes, whose name's uh, Eunice Amrice, who goes by the artist name Dinam, was sent um, here and 
did his part of the mural exchange. Well, it's an interesting side note, because usually we'll put clips from interviews into the, the podcast if we have permission to do so, but we don't have any clips because he spoke French. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. So he his first language is Moroccan Arabic, and then he also speaks French. And because I can speak French fluently or pretty proficiently, I was able to converse with him and ask him about the mural and his inspiration. And it was a really cool opportunity because it's not that often where there's someone who doesn't speak any English whatsoever. And um, he was quite passionate mm -hmm. about his art. Okay, then in one sentence, in fluent French, of course, can you tell me how the mural looked? Ah, les murs étaient très, très, très intéressants et c'est génial. I got none of that. I could guess. I could guess generally what you were saying, but I got none of that. So how did the mural look? <laughs> the mural was really cool because he had said to me in French that he was inspired by a new generation, so the youth really. And so it features a young man who is wearing um, traditional Moroccan clothing on top and then on the bottom for his pants and shoes were traditional American attire. And there's a lot of symbolism throughout the mural. Mm -hmm. So you'll see there's pigeons that are quite common in Casablanca. Um, there's a building in the back called um, the Wayala, and that is a notable building in Mohammed Five Square. Mm -hmm. uh, so I guess there's always a meaning behind these things. So was there any meaning to this mural? Did he tell you what it was? Is he leaving it open to interpretation? Like what does he hope people get after they see it? He hopes to see the collaboration between um, the two sister cities mm -hmm. and allowed or wants um, viewers to interpret it for themselves. And so he, that's actually what the sack on the ground that's being pulled by the pigeons is for, because he said there's nothing in there, um, but it's up for the public to decide mm -hmm. what that is. So I guess on that note, and to the best that we can describe it in its entirety, what does the mural look like? So we got pigeons off in one corner flying, carrying a sack of whatever. And it mostly features one person. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. A young Moroccan man. And then I think you described it a little earlier. They have more traditional American style clothing, like jeans or pants or whatever, and then more typical Moroccan style clothing, like up top. So it's like American download Moroccan up top. Is that accurate so far? Yeah, yeah. It's just a big cross-cultural look um, because it's not just Moroccan and it's not just American. It's like if Casablanca and Chicago came together, this is what that would look mm -hmm. like. And I don't think our words were quite as artistic as the mural itself. So where can people find this again? The oh, People can go to the side of the Dance Center, which is 1306 South mm -hmm. Michigan Avenue, um, and it's between the alley. Okay, and then is there anything else that we're missing for your story or anything else you think we should know? Other than that, I think that Dinam worked tirelessly through the weather. Um, he said he was not used to the weather here in Chicago just because of how sporadic it was, and also because it is on brick, which is a new medium for him. Um, but mural painting is not uncommon for him. He has done mass, mass murals before on the side of an entire building before. Mm -hmm. So this is cool. And it was also his first time in the States, so he enjoyed um, some American culture while he was here. He is going to have a very skewed view on what our weather is actually like. He picked probably the worst city to go to. Um, but uh, for more reporting on this story, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com or you can pick up a newspaper nearest you. Paige, thanks for coming in.
tuning in to this week's episode of Chronicle Headlines. You can check out all of these stories and more in our print edition available on campus on our website, columbiachronicle.com, and additional coverage on social media. We are at CC Chronicle on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and The Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible with the collaboration of our staff of the Columbia Chronicle and WCRX-FM, Chicago's Underground, under the leadership of the Communications Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride, Chair. Chronicle Headlines is produced and hosted by Yasmin Shika and Blaze Mesa. So that's what Columbia looks like. This is what Columbia looks like. Published since 1973. I'll give my life for this cause and I will die for this cause. This is Chronicle Headlines.